All right, everybody, welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. This is our first post-game Penguins reaction. Um, game one, dropped it to the Flyers 6-3. to three. Um, it, was, it was back and forth the first seven goals of the game, and the Flyers just rattled off three more really quick. Um, it's game one. We don't want to overreact too soon. Um, I think we both are going to stay on that plane where it's uh, a pretty realistic uh, examination of what we just watched, but um, there's certainly things to like, things to dislike. Um, quite an interesting game. I mean, it's it's always a little sloppy, um, especially with no preseason. But uh, we're gonna uh, just get right into it. Get a good, decent interview or a decent uh, examination of what happened. So I'm Zach. Hey, I'm Dante. All right, go ahead, Dante. I'll let you take it away. I know you're uh, chomping at the bit with this one. Yeah, man. We finally get to talk about some hockey. I know we. Theoretically talked about the season starting up, but now we have actual game footage to to talk about, which is exciting. And and like you said, there was a lot to like, um, a lot not so much. But this is game one. Let's let's all remember that before we go ahead and go out and make extreme comments on Twitter or whatever else about who's the next Jack Johnson, this and that. So, um, but but I mean, to me, the biggest thing is. Just that there's so many moving parts, especially with this team. Like when you when you look at the team that was out there on the bubble, like yeah, you still got the main core, but they t- they touched on it briefly in the broadcast too. The Penguins' defense is just absolutely shuffled right now. I mean, you subtract Jack Johnson, you subtract Justin Schultz, who was a part of you know multiple cups runs. Uh, he's been a staple back there for I don't know, four or five last year, or so. You, in, you insert Mike Matheson, who we'll get to on the podcast, but um, he, he the high upside, but also comes with the high risk. And then you have Cody CC back there, so um, trying to reinvent some kind of you know finest form back in Ottawa. So um, you know a lot a lot of moving parts, and then also in the forward group. I mean, you've seen Evan Rodriguez, a guy that couldn't even get in the lineup last season. They don't even couldn't even get in the lineup at the bubble, playing up on the first unit with Sid and Jake. So. Um, like that, like that, and then the only constant really from last season was the second line, and and we're gonna touch on this a little bit later, and that arguably was probably the worst Penguins line tonight. So, um, I I just want to go ahead and get your thoughts here. I mean, like we said, a lot of moving parts. Game one, um, you know, it's it's gonna take time for this team to gel. I know it's game one, and they really don't have a lot of time either with the shortened season and every game being against your division. So each game to it just matters that much more. So, um. Go ahead and get into some Penguin statements here. Uh, Zach, what, what do you think? What, what was your first takeaway from this game tonight? Um, typical Penguins start the season slow. Um, I think really ever since uh, they won that cup in 09, um, after going to the finals, and it's gone way back, but it's something that has been brought up in the past by different um, writers and different analysts that ever since they went through the grind of getting there in 08 and losing and going back and winning in 09, they realized how much goes into a season. You know, those guys, Sid, Gino, Stahl, Flower, Latang, they all like they all thought it was just balls to the walls from the start. 100% game one, we're just going to go flat out. And they realized that, okay, that's good, but you'd rather turn it on, you know, like they did in 09, like mid to late January, and then just go on a heater for like two, three months and be the hottest team in hockey and then just roll through the playoffs. They did it in 2016. They did it somewhat in 2017. They started slow, but they were pretty hot all season in 2017. But um, they've always kind of started slower. Um, I kind of expected a sloppier game. Um, I mentioned to you before we started tonight that, you know, the usual, uh, you know, you can kind of expect it from no no preseason, but it seemed like a preseason game. Very high scoring, very sloppy. I mean, just everything was kind of off. You know, it didn't really feel like a regular season game. one because they're starting in the middle of January, but two, um, you know that just that whole preseason vibe. You know they didn't change goalies midway through the first period. You know protect your starter. They didn't um, kind of sit Latang the majority of the of the game. But um, I really think that to me, it's just going to take time. You mentioned all the moving pieces. I mean, um, Mark Jankowski, Evan Rodriguez, though he was here last year, like five games. Um, Mike Matheson, Cody Cece. I mean, these are guys coming in, have never played here, most of them. 
and they're they're still trying to find their footing. I mean, you mentioned it that Schultz is gone, Johnson's gone, Ruedel's here, Ricola's here, but you're moving different pieces in and out that haven't been there. You know, Matheson's playing with Marino right now, different than Marino's had in his career. Marino looked great tonight. I mean, like you didn't notice him. Same with CC. You even mentioned it earlier. It's good we don't notice a defenseman because they're not making a big gaffe. They're not, you know, doing anything crazy. So I think the whole Matheson and Marino thing, I think that's their best option for the second pair. I would expect to see Pedersen probably slot in next game, but I wouldn't be surprised either if Matheson stays. Um, but to me, I just think it was one of those things where, aside from Mark Jankowski, all those guys looked like they need some time. Mark Jankowski looked like he was Nick Benino, just like, slots right in perfect fit um you've mentioned before to me um that he was a really good fit and one game certainly is a small sample size but from what you've seen it kind of looks like it's reinvigorated McCann and having Tanov on that line oh that's just disgusting that line if it can gel that might be one of the best third lines in hockey Tanov makes such a difference on that line just the speed he needed more ice time, too. You need a guy out there that's going to throw the body around, draw some penalties, especially with McCann, because if you can get McCann some open space, watch out. He's got a wrister like nobody else, man. And I mean, with Jankowski, too, it was a, a lot of the things we heard coming in was how much of a fit he wasn't. Like, you know, basically draw nothing against Nick Bukestad, but everyone was saying, oh, well, but don't expect any more than uh, what we saw out of Nick Bukestad out of Mark Jankowski. And tonight, I mean, I know it was just one game, but I saw a completely different kind of player than Nick Bukestad over the last two years. So, I mean, that that is probably one of the brighter spots of the game tonight was just the, him in the third line in general. And then with Matheson, I mean, I know there's a ton of people on Twitter and in the media that are going to be quick to jump down his neck. And to be fair, he did have a rough out tonight. But, I mean, we also saw what he can do potentially with his offensive upside. And, I mean, with, with him, did anybody really expect him to come in to Pittsburgh right away and set the world on fire? I mean, considering what he was traded for with Hornquist, you know, everyone emotionally really attached to Patrick Hornquist. And I totally understand that because of what he did for the city the last four, five, six years. But, I mean, realistically, did you expect him to come in and set the, the world on fire right away? I, I mean, I didn't. I don't think he's going to be as terrible as, you know, he might have showed tonight. I mean, even though he wasn't really terrible, terrible. But, I mean, that's all fixable stuff, and that's all stuff that we knew coming in that he was going to have to be better at if he was going to be able to succeed here. So, I mean, like I said, I, I think it's him with him it's a little bit of an overreaction. And then with Jankowski, I mean, I, you just hope that that line in general can just keep, you know, their electric progress tonight, like just keep it going. I agree. I think this, the thing with Matheson, I mean, the story is obviously turnovers. He didn't really make turnovers. I, he may have had a few, but there were no like big, nasty turnovers that led to two on ones, three on ones, three on twos, like left and right. Like everybody talked about and kind of made it sound like it was going to happen. You know, the the fourth goal. Yeah, he was really out of position. Um, and then the two on one goal um, kind of caught up behind, and it became a three on two. Um, I think it was. Philly's fifth goal. Don't or correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, Latang or not Latang, Marino was there, and then Matheson was trying to catch from behind, and then he just kind of overskated and left uh, left the middle of the ice wide open for Jake Gensel trying to get back. I mean, that goal was just a broken play. Um, you could see kind of off the faceoff, Matheson as soon as he pinched onto the boards um, and got kind of tangled up with Sid. You knew something was going to happen. Um, you know, I think that the story with him is offensively. He looks disgusting. I mean, there was one that we texted each other that toe drag around the the forward pin, you know, pressuring him, wide open lane to the net. I mean, he is just so good with the puck, and that's what that's part of the reason why we wanted him. You know, um, you needed to have a guy, not that Marino can't, but someone that has a little more kind of handsy skills. Um, Marino can shoot the puck, but this this guy is like a converted forward to defense in terms of what he can do with the puck on offense. So. Um, if you can shore up kind of his positioning, um, you know, looking at shot charts, weak side defense was the problem all night. That's why, you know, goals were scored right in the crease. You look at, uh, I believe it was the fourth or maybe it was the fifth goal. I think I have them backwards. The fifth goal was the one, um, that everybody was crashing the crease on Jari. Um, I mean, there was probably three, four shot attempts right there inside the blue paint. So, um, weak side defense definitely needs short up and that's kind of on Matheson in that case because Marino's going to play the strong side so um, 
I think that really overall what you need to work on is just getting him in position. And I think it's going to come with time because he's used to having to be a high-flying defenseman in Florida with all his skills because he didn't really have it. But now he's playing with a rising star in Marino. He's playing on a team that has Chris Letang, um, Brian Dumoulin. He just needs to learn from them a little bit and kind of understand what it takes. Yeah, and I mean, one of the biggest takeaways, on, in my opinion, from the bubble was whenever you saw how crippling the defense was in terms of just offensive, not even like production, but just like, just in general, like, I mean, you had Jack Johnson, who for all his hate, some of it deserved, some of it was a little over the hill. I mean, he provided absolutely zero offense. Justin Schultz absolutely fell off a cliff. Uh, Marcus Pedersen, I mean, he's fantastic in his own end. He has a great reach, but he really isn't that fantastic offensively. Brian Dumoulin, the same thing. One of the better defenders in the league, but don't expect much from him in terms of offensive, you know, driving offense, getting the breakout, making passes, um, you know, getting pucks to the net. So I, I think infusing Matheson is exactly what the Penguins needed. And, you know, with that, you're going to have a lot of high risk, much like with the same play style as Chris Letang. I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's just going to come with time. And a lot of the stuff that the mistakes that he made tonight I think is correctable and you know I trust Todd Reardon and the rest of the Penguins coaching staff to be able to you know get him where he needs to be and get it to the back of his head and he'll eventually just get the confidence to be able to do what he needs to do. I would attribute it similarly to Latang adjusting to Reardon's system. It did take time. I mean Latang definitely had played his best hockey of his career under Todd Reardon as the defense coach but I think Matheson really has a similar play style and I would agree that um you know, it's going to take time. And I think, again, you know, the more coaching he gets from Reardon that he wasn't getting in Florida, I think it's definitely going to help. And I would say moving forward, you could potentially see a lot of improvement out of him. But I attribute it also to the no preseason thing that I mentioned earlier. I mean, he was playing scrimmages, but you're not on the body. You're not trying to hurt your own team. It's not that you're trying to hurt people, but you're not physical. Yeah. You're not getting in people's faces. You're kind of letting plays develop along the boards, let them go, whatever. So. Um, game speed. You can't simulate game speed in practice. So, exactly because you're never going to try as hard against your own teammates, um, especially physically, um, than you are the opponent. So, I would think that if you give him some more game time, I would say probably through you know maybe Sunday's game, I would give him three games. I think three games is a fair enough per- period of time. Um, you're probably going to see some improvement come Sunday and watch against Washington back home, mm-hmm. um, and then moving forward, you'll see a little bit more as long as he's allowed to stay in the same pairing because if you keep moving him around he's never going to get better and that was the problem with McCann last year he went from you know obviously when Sid was out he had to play second line center so that's a different circumstance but when Sid was healthy he played with Sid then he went to the third line then he went to the second line then he went back to the third line like if you leave him in a spot he'll adjust but when you keep moving him around you know in Matheson's case second pairing it's not your high offensive pairing but it's also not your super defensive pairing. Right. It's kind of that hybrid. But if you move him to the third pairing, that's where you see the problems, like what happened with Jack Johnson. Certainly you can shelter minutes, mm-hmm. but when you're asking a guy who doesn't play defense all that well to play defense 80% of the time, yep. that's the problem. And that's why Chris Letang does so well with Brian Dumoulin, obviously, but in the first pairing because – He's not asked to play a ton of defense because he's playing with guys like Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Evan Rodriguez, Kasperi Kapanen, who play good defense. But obviously, you got Brian Dumoulin. I mean, Dumoulin's sneaky quick. He's not a burner, but he's sneaky quick. So it allows Latang to make a play like Matheson did on that fifth goal, pinch up, and Dumoulin's going to handle it better coming back. Marino's still learning some of that stuff. You know, I'd say if that's Latang and Dumoulin, you might not see a goal because I think. Latang does a little better in terms of stopping himself, kind of reading the play than what Matheson did there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I would say that he's in a role right now that I think he will succeed in. Yeah, and going back real quick to you know when you talk about making a player play defense whenever you know that's not his strong suit, he was out there for both the power play goals, I think. Am I right? Was that yeah, was that both good? of them? He was on the PK too by that point. Why, yep. Why is he on the PK? I would rather see a forward playing defense than watch Matheson play on the PK because he's not a penalty killing defenseman. And that, yeah. And that's nothing against him as a player or anything. I mean, that's just not like you, you can't put that guy out there all the time like that. 
it just is what he is. I mean, you need to understand your players. And that's where Sully has struggled the last two years. And I can point to different examples. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand Jared McCann. He never has. He might now. <laughs> well, I think Mark Jankowski figured him out for Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that was the problem. Is Gonchar, when he was the defense coach, he knew how to coach a certain style of defenseman, Latang, very similar to Gonchar. Gonch played more PK, but a power play specialist, an offensive top end pairing defenseman, someone who can shoot, someone who knows offense. But when it came to coaching someone like Jack Johnson, it wasn't going to happen because Johnson had the Gonchar skill set in 2005, but not in 2018. Right. You know, he had to adapt. And that's the problem is he didn't. And that's where Sully was like, well, I don't know what to do with you. And then when all the defensemen got hurt playing in the top pairing, when he had minutes, he was playing well. And that's where I think Matheson playing the second pair is perfect. It's just enough minutes. It's not too few, not too many. But don't put him on the penalty kill. Yeah, he is I, I, not a penalty killing defenseman. That penalty kill too. We'll get to that later too. But I mean, I don't, I don't understand why he was out there. I mean, and nothing against Marcus Pedersen either. But why is Marcus Pedersen out on the second pairing uh, power play unit? Over yeah, him? that baffles me. I, I think t- it's flip flop those backwards. Two. Yeah, because Pedersen is he's more of a defenseman in terms of playing defense than he is, you know, kind of like that offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matheson on the penalty on the power play, that's disgusting. I mean, I he's going to, he's going to walk the line. He's going to find lanes. He's going to get pucks through. And that's what he's really, really, really good at is getting pucks through traffic. Yeah. I mean, it's like shoving a square peg into a circle hole. It's not going to happen. Exactly. And that's We're playing him on the PK. I mean, not power play. Yeah, well, I mean, I I knew what you were getting at. I, it's good yeah. that you explained it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and and I agree. I think that you know, obviously, you look up and down the defense score. Dumoulin, penalty killer, no question. Latang, power play, occasional penalty kill if needed because he can do it better than Matheson. Mm-hmm. Matheson, power play specialist, one hundred percent. Marino, both because he's that good. Yep. <laughs> and there's no right shot to play on the top or at the point kind of on the, the right wing wall, right point without Marino. Yeah. Um, and you got CC. He can play PK too. I mean, exactly. I would say CC plays PK. He's your second PK. Marino's your top Pedersen with CC on the second. I think it's good to keep them together as much as possible. Yeah. And then Dumo and Marino, I mean, they showed that they can play together just fine when Latang was hurt. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that if you just simplify it and look at their style of play, that's all it takes because Sully is so just uh, he is so just obsessive about the about the whole like I gotta see what I have. Dude, you know what you have. They're professionals. These guys aren't rookies. Like Matheson's been around for eight years. It's not rocket science. You look at who he is, and I'm not saying you gotta get into analytics and metrics and expected goals for and against and EVA and all this crazy stuff. <laughs> You just got to know what he is. I mean, he's quick and he shoots. He's not a defensive defenseman. And that's how you get him to build the confidence back that he needs. You put him in positions that he's going to succeed, not where you know he might not you know, pan out just on the PK. Get him out there for the power play. Throw him out. Heck, even throw him out there on the first unit every now and then if you, ha- like if you want to. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I agree. I honestly wouldn't have a problem if the top power play um, struggles with seeing like a a Sid, Gino, Gensel, Matheson, Latang top unit because at least you know Matheson's going to get pucks through and Latang's good about you know sometimes getting pucks through but also just kind of finding those guys down low. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it necessarily. Obviously, you got three left shots, four left shots. You got to get another right shot out there somewhere. But um, regardless, I think it's. It's just one of those things that you definitely have leeway. You just don't play him on the PK. It's not hard. Yeah. But, all right, so let's get into another, you know, bright spot from this game that we saw. I mean, obviously, third line was absolutely dynamite tonight. And I know it's one game. It's a small sample size. But if that can, if that can stay 
constant and they can keep driving offense and playing as well as they did tonight, then the Penguins' problems are going to be a heck of a lot easier than we thought. I mean, yeah. that was probably one of the top three question marks we had coming into this season was, is the third line going to be able to, you know, just like we saw how much of a train wreck it was in the bubble. And it's really been kind of a, you know, it's been a mess since Nick Benino left. And they decided not to pay him, which at the time I kind of agreed with. But looking back, I mean, you might have been better off just giving him the contract. But, um, you know, it's been an experiment ever since then. And, you know, hopefully that this is the combination that will be able to stay consistent and give the Penguins what they need. And if you solve this issue, then I, I think the rest of the, you know, the forward lines kind of just built, you know, we'll be able to figure that out a lot more easier as long as this line stays constant. So um, your thoughts. Um, I think it's interesting. I'm going to take more of a looking ahead approach. Um, you're going to have Kasperi Kapanen coming in in like a week. Um, do you slot him right away on the top line, even though he hasn't played once with Sid? Because we both know right. if Sid doesn't like him, it's not going to work. So this is what I would do personally after. I mean, I know it was only one game, but we've seen this line a lot, especially like last season and during the bubble, that Malkin brust. Zucker unit I just I don't know if that line's ever going to gel and I know they're trying to give them time and on paper it, it should work out but I, I don't know I'm just left kind of unimpressed by it in general so what I would do is I would actually either slide I would probably I would keep Russ with Gino slot him over on the left side because you know he can play the he can play both sides I would actually move Zucker up put him back with Sid because him and Sid showed a lot more chemistry in my opinion than Malkin and Sid have so far. So I would, I would bump Zucker up because Zucker, I mean, you, you traded a, you traded a haul for him. I, I feel like he was, he's been a little bit invisible since he's been playing with Malkin. So I, I would get him back up with Sid where he was doing really well last season. So I'd put him with Sid. I'd bump Jake to right wing. He can play right wing. I'd put Sid at center and then I'd put Kapanen with Gino and see if that works. You know, I'm actually going to take a different approach because if you look at the role Zucker was playing last year when he came in, he was playing the Jake Gensel role because that's why they brought him in was to replace Jake until Jake came back. Right. He was playing that semi-net front kind of just guy Sid can pass to that can shoot and score. <laughs> um, because that's, you know, Jake plays a two-way game, but ever since he really, you know, ever since it was discovered that he could score 40 goals, He's been much more of the trigger man. You know, Sid, you could see in Sid's eyes tonight or in his body, like how he was kind of playing, that he is not looking shoot first right now. Mm -mm. And Sid doesn't play as well when he doesn't look shoot first. And I think that... Drives me nuts. (laughs) You have a release like no other, and you can score goals from places that nobody else on the planet can, and you're not doing it. That baffles me. That's something else we could talk about if you want to. But I guess for me, you know, you look at, the Montreal game when Zucker scored two goals last year after he came over, he was playing like Jake Gensel. It looked like Jake Gensel because it was the quick, always kind of like coattailing around on Sid, you know, like not coattailing in terms of like, you know, success, but coattailing in terms of like kind of always just follows around in his shadow and finds that soft spot. I don't know how that would work out if you put him on a line with Jake as well, you know, like the, the three of them together. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that the backup plan from what insiders say is to put Rust up with Sid if you know the whole thing's not working because it's worked before. I mean, Sid and Rust have, have had good chemistry, and I think that line would be pretty solid. Um, it would obviously kind of take away a little bit of Rust's goal-scoring production, but I think that that's okay. and He's going to have secondary assists. But So here's my counter, and I know you and I have talked over the last year about how great this line was last year, and I, I know you know how much I love this line. I know but where I, you're going with it. I, I know they're not going to do it, but I would. I mean, you have to at least try if, if things go that bad. Like, just based on how good this line was last year, you put Sid with Zucker and Kapanen, and then you reunite Gensel, Malkin, and Rust. And that let's line freaking was go. Filthy last year. I mean, that you have like, to. I was baffled that he did like that. Sullivan didn't even try to like go back to them at any point in the bubble. Or like at least experiment with them at all. And try. Like I understand Jake is, is Sid's guy, and he's been great with Sid. But that line with Gino, Gensel, and Russ—they just 
absolutely ripped through the league last year. Jake was scoring at a higher clip playing with Malkin for 27 games than he did playing the entire season previous when he scored 40 goals. Yeah, and when Malkin plays with a guy like Jake, I mean, it just makes him a better player too because, you know, it forces him to do some certain things that he might not do whenever he's got, you know, Zucker or, you know, some other guy on his left wing. It, it makes him mm-hmm. more feel more responsible when he does the little things more. And maybe he'll, you know, hunt out, be different positionally certain ways. Like, it's the little things that Jake Gensel does because he's such a great player within his own right that Malkin's like, oh, I got to adjust and do this. And it, it makes him into a better player as a result, so... I agree. I mean, I definitely would give it a shot if the whole like Zucker, Malkin, Russ thing doesn't work and Kapanen is not really fitting with Sid because the worry I have with Kapanen is that he is going to play like a Phil Kessel. Um, certainly he's got the two-way game that Phil never did, but he's going to be just kind of all speed and Sid's not going to like it. Um, we know the story. You know, A lot of people actually know it's pretty, you know, it's pretty well documented that Sid did not like playing with Patrick Hornquist. Um, because he literally did nothing but stand in front of the net. And if he would have stood three feet to his left or to his right, Sid would have absolutely loved him. Yeah. Um, I think the the thing I look at with Kapanen is he's a better finisher than Dom Simone ever was or will be. Um, oh, <laughs> had to had to slide in there. Um, I think that Kapanen is going to be a guy that possesses the puck well. And gets in on the forecheck really well, which Sid might love. Um, mm-hmm. See, I think that's I why he'd be a better fit with Gino. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can see it, and that's the tough part is you don't know what Sid's gonna think because Sid's gonna just nitpick for nitpicking's sake. Yeah, and it's weird. Like Malkin is, you know, every time the Penguins make a trade for a winger, it's always like, oh, well, they finally got Sid's winger. They got Sid's winger. And then Gino kind of gets stuck with, I mean, not the spare part. Like, they're not bad players, but, you know, it kind of feels like he gets the hand-me-downs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I feel oh, like absolutely. when you put Malkin with those players, like, Rust and Zucker are both skilled, you know, legit top six wingers in their own right. But I feel like Gino, like you put him, like, a, we saw it in 09. You put Ruslan Fedotenko and Maxine Talbot next to him, and, and he just absolutely goes off. And then 2017, he was playing with Scott Wilson as as his winger. I mean, Scotty Wilson <laughs> scored like five goals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and that's why I think that it would. I think he'd be a better fit with Malkin. I mean, better because, like you said, I don't know if Sid's gonna just like the fact that Kapanen's just straight speed, speed, speed all the time. And I think that's gonna open up some things for. I would open up some things for Malkin, especially you know we've seen when. When you put Malkin with a couple speedy guys and a couple puck retrievers that, you know, don't make him do all the dirty work, like Kapanen fly in there and, and set the tone. I mean, it opens up a lot of things for Malkin in his game. So, Well, there was something I heard probably four or five years ago that's kind of stuck with me ever since. And the more I've, you know, gotten into it, noticed things about different players in and out. Um, there was a radio host that had said, Sid, you need specific skill sets on his wings. You need the speed, you need the finishing, but you also need the two-way game and you need someone that's going to just go where Sid is going to want to go and know mm-hmm. things as quickly as Sid knows things. Which that's is the problem. Almost impossible. <laughs> exactly. You've seen it with Chris Kunitz because Chris Kunitz had a hockey IQ like nobody other than Sid. It, he knew things before they happened and he wasn't a highly skilled guy, but he always knew where to go and Sid would just find him. I mean, it was easy. He pressured the puck he gave it to Sid Sid could move it to whoever Pascal Dupuis another guy that's what they think Kapanen is like is Pascal Dupuis and I don't think he is but he very well could be they think that he's going to be the Dupuis to Sid and you know Gensel's obviously the Kunitz to Sid but yeah it's just tough because Sid needs that like you gotta play my style of hockey and the second part of that quote just to finish out was you could throw a trash can with Malkin on the ice and it would probably score 12 to 15 goals a year because he would make it score 12 to 15 goals a year. Yeah, and I I mean that's why that's why I don't think Cap is going to is going to be, you know, well with Sid just because he's just 100% so speed all the time and I think it's going to drive Sid crazy and nothing against Cap and I mean I I've got to watch him a little bit in Toronto, but he doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to come in and, like you said, you know, have the the awesome, you know, the, that 
very high hockey IQ where he's going to know where to be at all, all times. Like I, I think he's just going to go in there and just be balls to the wall flying around all the time. And, and that's why I don't think it's a good fit. I know that's why you don't either. So um, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting, but um, that kind of segues into my next positive that I took away from this game is the Penguins. I, I mean, I know it took, it took a couple years for them to get back, but it looks like they're finally back to playing the game fast. And they they looked noticeably faster in my eyes tonight than they did back at the bubble and even parts of last season, especially the season before last. Um, it, it looks like they're finally going back to their roots. I, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, the stars are obviously older. We'll see how long they'd be able to sustain that. But but I think it's a step in the right direction for this team. And and just adding Kasperi Kappen into that with his straight line speed. I mean, I'm excited to see what he's going to look like in this lineup. I don't know about you. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, to touch on the lines one last time, I think Kapanen might almost be better suited in a bottom six role. It sounds crazy. I know you didn't trade for him for that. It doesn't really, matter, though. Hmm? Oh, no, it really I mean, doesn't matter. I mean, you didn't. You could look back and say, oh, we didn't trade Phil Kessel. We didn't trade all those. You know, Kasperi Kapanen. <laughs> we didn't trade Kasperi Kapanen yeah. and draft picks for Phil Kessel to play on our third line, but it won you two cups. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. None of that I really agree. matters, is it? That and it's a one of the things that we've touched on too, where you know Jim Rutherford he gets he gets absolutely crucified for his asset management sometimes, and sometimes that's I mean sometimes it's fair to, to criticize him for that, but with him it's all about not getting the best players, but getting the right players. And when he identifies a player that he he thinks is the right player, he will go out and get that player no matter what it takes. Absolutely. Phil Kessel, Jason Zucker, Kasperi Kapanen, doesn't matter. Um, but I, I think truthfully, as crazy as it would sound, I know we were just saying how McCann needs to stay in a stable place. If you look at Tandev, he reminds me of Carl Hagelin. Do you get that vibe from him, especially now with mm-hmm. long hair? Mm-hmm. No. Carl Hagelin, <laughs> Mark Jankowski is Nick Benino, and Kasperi Kapanen could be your poor man's Phil Kessel. I could see it. Print the t-shirts. <laughs> the uh, TJK line. <laughs> um, I mean, truthfully, I-, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that. Now, obviously, that leaves McCann as kind of the odd man out. And that line is not going to produce offense the same without Jared McCann. Um, Kapanen obviously has an offensive side. Jankowski clearly does. You watched it tonight. Um, you've seen it in the past, too. It's not just tonight. Um Tanev, if he skates fast enough, can shoot the puck really hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I attribute his goal and the velocity of that wrist shot to how quickly he was skating. Um, Oh, my God, dude. It was a mechanic. Yeah, he came out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, But but I guess for me, if you really don't think Kapanen's going to fit with Sid, I don't think he's really a good fit with Malkin, truthfully. Um, I think he's almost too fast for Malkin, if that makes sense. I, no, I see what you mean. Um, because, you know, Malkin gets guys drawn off sides a ton. Like, Malkin will, like, just curl back into the neutral zone, like, throw the whole freaking thing off. He likes to do that little dangle, and it's going to get somebody across the line. I don't know if Kapanen can slow himself down enough. Um, I think you'd almost be better sticking with, you know, the Zucker, Malkin, Rust for now. Um, and, you know, you can put McCann with Sid. I don't think it would be terrible. Um, I don't know how well it would work, or if you really want to shake things up and get the guys moving, you put Zucker with Sid. I know I was kind of not too fond of it, but then you put McCann with Malkin and see what happens. Because um, I guess that's really the only center he hasn't had a shot with yet. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to even moving McCann if it's not working. But as of right now, I don't want him to go anywhere. Um, but then you obviously have you know prospects. You have the taxi squad. They need more muscle in that lineup because aside from that third line, they got bullied tonight. Yeah. Like they got thrown around. Mm-hmm. But for me, the whole Kapanen thing is intriguing because he could fit on any one of the four lines. He really yep. could. Uh-huh. And he's obviously going to play PK. He's going to play a ton of PK. He's going to oh, play yeah. power play too, no question. So he's already going to pull probably four and a half you know, ish minutes per night between the two of those. And then if you put him on the fourth line, it's probably another 11 minutes. Okay, he's at 15, 16. Third line, he's probably sitting 18, 19, which is good. I mean, he needs the time to develop, but I don't know. I think that 
I think it's an interesting piece, and I don't think he's going to fit with Sid. I don't think he fits with Gino. And where does he go from there? Because, again, too fast for Gino. And if you put him with Gino, you got to throw Rust up with Sid because you can't alienate Sid entirely either. Yeah. Because that's I the mean, problem. That, like you said, everybody comes in and they're Sid's guy. They alienate yeah. Malkin way too much. Yeah. But, it, it, I mean... And we talk about that too. It works out to their benefit too. I mean, oddly oh, enough, yeah. sometimes when he just gets the guys that aren't expected to do as well, and he just puts them on his back, he's like, "All right, boys, let's go." Like, Trash can scores twelve goals, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It's definitely intriguing, and like I said, I'm just excited to see where he slots in. And you know, who would you take out? That's my question. Who who goes out whenever he comes back? Colton Sevier. I'm sorry, but I was not impressed. I have not been impressed. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very hard for me to become impressed. <laughs> I don't really see a whole lot in a guy that's on the wrong side of 30 that's literally nothing but a PK guy. Yeah. Um, I'd rather, more than anything, see you know, my guy Drew O'Connor or like <laughs> Anthony Angelo, Jordan Nolan, as much as he's not going to score. I would rather see some bigger body that's going to just throw it around Anthony Angelo is more shoot first than Jordan Nolan, but Drew O'Connor is shoot, is shoot first. Mm-hmm. And I think if you put him with Teddy Bluger and uh, who played on that wing tonight, Lafferty, yeah, Oof. that Lafferty looked good too. I got to say he that's did. on the bright spot. Yeah, he. The thing with him, he's he's another guy that's just straight speed, and I love it. But you know, he's got a little skill, his... but he's straight speed. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, but you need guys like that, you know. And he's got some mm-hmm. jam to his game too, so. I mean, you saw like him sticking his nose awful. there at the end of the game. No, I'd say he's better than Tommy. Well, he's got that personality kind of. They got that jam. He's better yeah. than Tommy, no question. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, take Erod out. Yeah, because where does he fit? He and Colton Sevier. I take them both out. Yeah, I mean Erod. Like I love him. I really like that he's here, but I think he's a depth guy. I do not think he has a place in the starting lineup because. Malkin's got a right winger in Rust, or he's got a right winger in Kapanen, or he's got a right winger in McCann, whoever. Uh, I, I could see Rodriguez being the guy that just trickles down the Geno and pops off. <laughs> never, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's the thing at this point. Heck, anything can work with Geno. <laughs> he just seems like that kind of guy that would, you know, yeah. plays with a chip on his shoulder, plays hard. Not Probably not the most skilled, but, you know, he's a sound player. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy I could see going down to Malkin's wing by by chance and just going off. I mean, it's entirely possible. You move you move Rust up. You put uh, you put Rodriguez with with Malkin. You kind of flip flop and then um, Kapanen on that third line. Bump uh, Tanev back down to Bluger's line. You got Kapanen, and McCann and Jankowski. That might be pretty good too. There's a I lot of think, speed on that line. I think it's tough to take Rust away from Malkin, especially after the chemistry they had last year and Rust really breaking onto the scene. But, I agree. If you think of so, let's let's think about maybe a projected lineup now. So we know Sully, he likes to do his <laughs> lines in pair. We know he likes to do his lines in pairs. Oh god, I hate it. It drives so me absolutely. So he, he he likes to have the pairs and then a speed guy. So you got Jake and Sid, you got Malkin and Rust, McCann uh, and Jankowski, McCann and Jankowski, and then uh, whoever and on Bluger. the fourth line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Putting a speed guy on it. I mean, I would on it. You know, I would honestly even try Tanev on Gino's wing. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Slide Zucker up with Sid. I just, I, I don't. I, I, I don't like know Zucker as a player. Is. I just don't know. I just don't know where he fits. I don't know where half these guys fit, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he a gets- great player, and they got like, I was all for it when they went all in for him, especially with Gensel and everything, but. And I, d- I don't think he's going to stick long term with Gino. I just I just have a feeling it's just not going to happen. So if that doesn't happen, so then what do you do? So what do you do? I mean, he's got a bit of a jam to his game too. Do you bump him down in the third line? I think you could flip flop him and McCann because McCann's never had a shot with Malkin, or at least an extended one. Yeah, it's a I mean, lot of questions. I mean, <sighs> well, if you think about it, you put Gensel and Crosby, and then obviously. Um, that right wing will leave blank. If you go, if you do the Zucker bump down, you got McCann, Malkin, and Rust, which there's a lot of speed, there's a lot of skill, and there are three really lethal shots. I feel like they were together for a brief period of time last year, and they did really well. 
I feel like I saw someone tweet because I remember we were all like, put McCann with Gino and Russ, and they finally did, and they went off, and then someone got injured. McCann had to go to second C or second center. I don't see why you couldn't revisit it because McCann's got a heavy wrist shot. Rust knows how to find soft spots and Malkin's Malkin. I mean, you don't really need to say anything else, but you know, so if you do do that, you got Gensel, Sid, Blank, McCann, Malkin, Rust, Zucker, Jankowski, Kapanen, because I'm not putting Kapanen on Sid's wing automatically. I don't think it's a good fit. And then you got Lafferty, Bluger, and Tanev. So for Sid's right wing, you have any one of Drew O'Connor, Evan Rodriguez, Colton Sevier, Anthony Angelo, Jordan Nolan, and uh, calling up Sam Pullen or Nathan Legare. I, 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 that's why I or think Hey, you never know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's hope we never have to see that again. <laughs> um. I think if you bump Zucker down, I think you have to put Kapanen somewhere in the top six and you have to make it work. I don't think those two can stay in the bottom six together. Well, then if you put Kapanen with Sid, because he's not going to fit with Malkin if Russ's there, because you don't want two right shots with Malkin. He needs that yeah. right and left. He's I would, weird about it. I would absolutely keep Tanev with Jankow. Oh, yeah. I, would keep, I would keep those two at the hip the rest of the season. They just, I know it's been one game. But I, they clearly know each other well from back in their college days. Like they have, you got, you, you mm-hmm. can't, you know, over. Like I know a lot of people overrate chemistry, but I think you have to use that to your advantage for now. So I, th- I think those two are pretty much strapped at the hip for a little bit here. Yeah, you can't underrate chemistry either. That's another thing. So then, yep. if you do that, you got Kapanen on the top line. You got Tanev back up to the third. That leaves right wing or left wing, depending on how you look at it open on the fourth line and then it makes much more sense between o'connor angelo jordan nolan and mm-hmm. senior who i would much rather not see in the lineup um, <laughs> i don't know what it is about him i just don't get a good vibe i don't get any positivity about his game um yeah he's just a guy i, I mean i know it's only one game but i i don't know i i didn't see like he didn't do anything to hurt them but he didn't do anything to help either so i, I no, think he's just he, like a meh I think he's too undersized to do anything to help in a fourth line role. I think if he's playing, it's got to be in like that borderline not checking third line role because you cannot put him on a fourth line because he's too small. He's not fast enough and he brings very little in terms of anything. You know, Bluger's not the biggest guy, but he has a little jam. He knows how to score. Lafferty, we already said, fast has some jam. We've seen he can score. And that's where I think that if you put O'Connor on that line, I'm going to continue to push this. I know that it's not going to happen yet. <laughs> he is on the taxi squad, but I am going to push it because he shoots. He yeah. was at Dartmouth. He scored 30 goals in college. If you put a guy that's six foot three, 215 pounds on your fourth line, that is size that you don't have outside of Mark Jankowski. Mm-hmm. And Mark Jankowski is not going to let that third line get pushed around. He's going to play on the body. He came from Calgary. He knows what that's like. He played with Matt Kachuk. He played with bigger guys. I think that if you put Drew O'Connor there, not only could he learn a lot, he doesn't bring a speed element, which is fine. You don't need that on the fourth line. But he brings shoot first, and he brings hard on the body. More skill than Anthony Angelo. Faster than Anthony Angelo. I wouldn't be opposed to Angelo playing. I just really don't want to see Jordan Nolan or Colton Sevier. I am going to stick by that, that Angelo and Drew O'Connor deserve a chance to play in this, on this team. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen in past, you know, cup years where the infusion of youth is what you mm-hmm. need. You know, like, you, you got to have some young guys in there with some hunger. And, I mean, I know they got a lot of guys on the team now, like Jankowski, uh, Rodriguez, a couple guys, uh, even Matheson. I'll throw Matheson in there, even though he had a bad day or a bad night tonight. Like, you got guys throughout this lineup that were high draft picks, you know, first, second. I think Rodriguez was a second round. Was he a second rounder? I thought he was undrafted. Or was he undrafted? I know Jankowski, sure Jankowski was a first. Yep, 2012. Um, Matheson was a first. 2012. McCann, you, I'll even throw McCann in this group. McCann, <laughs> former first rounder. Yep. Like, you got guys out here that are basically fighting for their careers. And, yeah. you know, they're playing really desperately and they got to change who they are as a player. Like maybe, you know, we saw it. I'll bring back the Tommy Kuhnackle, you know, he was mm-hmm. with the world on fire in juniors and he got to the NHL and he realized he couldn't score at that pace. So what did he do? He turned himself into a bottom six checking 
penalty killing, you know, type of role player. And it worked out for him for a couple of years. And, yep. you know, when you brought guys like that up from Wilkes-Barre in 16-17, you really saw how it, you know, not only helped the production of the team, but also the morale. You know, it brought, you know, lifted up the older guys, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. You know, it made it more fun for them too, playing with the kids and, you know, boosted them up and made them play even better. So I th- I think that's, that's why, in my opinion, it was really surprising that they sent Poland and Legere back to the junior team. Like I would have expected to see at least one of them, those two, no matter how bad of a camp they had with the team. Poland has nothing left to learn. In he, he literally dominates that league down there. He was absolutely insane last year. We, we, he has He's nothing left to prove a down there. taller than anybody else and 50 pounds heavier. He is a man amongst exactly. little boys. Exactly. And to me, in my opinion, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I, I think he would benefit more from being in the taxi squad and just practice, being around the team, just practicing with NHL players. Like, I know you might burn a year of his ELC off, but at that, like, who cares? You know, like, I would be more worried about him, you know, potentially getting stunning, stunning his growth by bringing him back down to the queue where he has nothing else left to prove. Well, it'll build confidence when he puts up 190 points, but I mean, he's I, I would come in. He's going to come back in the camp next year. He's going to be virtually the same. I mean, he's going to have no, you got to see, you got to eventually like season him. Like you got to play against the NHL competition. Like the games, they talk about Heck, it a lot. The game's faster. The people are bigger. People are faster. People are stronger. Like you, you got it. Like, I feel like he, even if it does burn off a year of his ELC, like he needs to be around the team with the team practicing against the team. Yep. Well, I think even putting him in the AHL will be fine because you can still call guys up from there. It's not like he's... Is he eligible for the AHL? I think he's too young. I think he's 20. I mean, I don't know why he's not in the AHL if he's eligible. I don't know if he's 20 or 21 for the AHL, but I'm pretty sure Jordy Bellreve last year was 20 playing in the AHL. Yeah, I I think it is 20. So if he's he's eligible for the AHL and he's not there, that's baffling to me. Well, he was... 18 when he got drafted and turned 19 not long after. And this is six months after. So we're a year and a half out from his draft date. So he's got to be 20. And if he's not, he is very close. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how those roles work or whatever. But um, I, but I, he would age out a junior, so I would think he would get reassigned to the AHL at that point. Mm-hmm. But either way, I mean, we're getting a little off topic. But, you know, you look at what you have in the taxi squad and Anthony Angelo, Drew O'Connor, Colton Sevier, even though he's technically on the roster. Um, and, uh, Jordan Nolan, I don't know what you really have. Um, now you look at the guys that have cleared waivers in the last few days that would play a fourth line role. Um, you know, obviously we both would like to see Josh Hosang potentially come in and, you know, maybe reinvent himself here. Um, you know, kind of like maybe show up to team meetings once in a while. Um, (laughs) but another guy that was very interesting and it's probably not the best idea but Montreal just waived Corey Perry and he went unclaimed. I saw that. It wouldn't be the worst thing to sign him for 700000 and put him on the fourth line. And if it doesn't work out, you can waive him again and you're not going to lose anything. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think, I think that's more – I'm not going to compare it to Patrick Marlowe because that different team had – you know. I, but I think in the sense it would be the same type of move where – you're picking up, you know, Corey Perry. He's he's got a lot of mileage under him, and I, I think mm-hmm. you have a lot of younger guys. Like we've just talked, like you talked about Drew O'Connor, you know, sitting in this taxi squad, sitting in the minors that are waiting to get their shot. And I think that's the route that they need to take moving forward. I agree. Forward I mean, it's just one of those things you kind of toss something out, but yeah, he's never going to come in and play a top line role again. He's far too many miles on him. He would never mesh with Sid. Hey, he might, they played together on team Canada way back, but um, I, it's just things you got to throw around, but it's definitely really tough because it's not that there's a clear answer when Kapanen comes back. It honestly just creates more issues. Um, I 100% can guarantee you game one that Kapanen's eligible. It's going to be Gensel Crosby Kapanen oh, yeah. or Malkin Rust. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you know McCann, Jankowski, Tanev, and just leave Lafferty, Bluger, and probably Sevier. And if he doesn't come out within the first two weeks, I might just march to Sully's office and be like, "All right, buddy, what are we doing here?" Um, heck, but he yeah, could prove me wrong, and I would have no problem with it. But <laughs> yeah, I w- I wouldn't be opposed. But let's 
you know, we're approaching an hour here. Let's get into our things that we did not so much like about the game. I know we touched on a couple things. You know, Matheson mm-hmm. had a rough go. Uh, the Geno unit was basically invisible the entire game. He looked a little bit slow. I know it's just the first game, but he, to me, noticed, looked a little noticeably slower. But that's probably just a conditioning thing. I'm sure he'll be fine. But um, yeah. So what what else did you see that you didn't like from this game? Um, it's a little unreasonable, and I know we had talked about it. Obviously, if you look at the six goals, the first two, none of them are Jari's fault. Neither of them. First one, deflection a foot and a half in front of him. No goalie's going to stop that. Second one, he was screened entirely, never saw the shot. It was a perfectly placed shot. Third goal, eh, I have a little bit of a problem with it. Kind of at that point, you had just gotten the lead back. You kind of need to, you know, keep it for one and two, just kind of like, Make that save. Um, yeah. Not that Matt Murray ever really did, but <laughs> you really got to show why you're the guy. Again, first game, uh-huh. no preseason. You've only seen your own teammates who you see every single day. Yep. It's totally a different style, so I expected higher scoring. I didn't expect him to shut him out, much as it would have been nice. I didn't expect him to shut him out. Um, I think that third goal and the fourth goal are kind or the – yeah, I would say even the, the the third goal is probably the worst to me, the one where it was Farabee right in front of the net late in the second period. I mean, come on. You you cannot, you cannot give that up. I know he's yeah. one-on-one and right in front of you. Marino did you no favors being 10 feet to the front right of Jari and Matheson being three feet behind Farabee. Um, but, but to me, in that instance, you're in perfect position and he pushes left. Opens up the bottom left of the cage. Easy tuck for Farabee. Um, I think that's one of those things that if he makes that save and it stays 2-2 going into the second intermission, it's a totally different ball game in that third period. One, you're not playing catch-up. And two, these guys are more invigorated. And Jari's got some confidence. He stopped a guy one-on-one in front of his net in the waning minutes. So... Um, I just think, you know, again, it's going to come with time. A couple more games. Jari needs to just kind of get sharper. He looked kind of a little out of position tonight, a little off. But I have a ton of faith in him. I think that if you give him a couple games, he'll be fine. Um, I think he's seeing the Flyers again Friday might actually benefit him. Um, Being that he's a little more familiar with them. You know, it's not like he doesn't know the Flyers. He played them a couple times last year, but still learning these teams, yada, yada, yada. Um, I Uh think that for him to see some of these same guys again it's going to help yeah and, and fair is fair you know like we I, I told you earlier we we yell or we criticize matt murray for not making the big save when he's allowed to so we got we got to keep it consistent here and absolutely i mean let's be honest the first two goals no chance for him at all no um no chance the third goal i see where you have a big issue with it to me i think that's more on the defense but again i mean i'm not, I'm not saying it's totally jerry's fault but I mean, he's got it's at just least a big save factor for me. Yeah, and it kind of looked like he was falling. He was asleep a little bit. Like you got to at least try to like poke that, or, or mm-hmm. at least you know be a little bit more reactionary to it. But um, that one, I, I agree, he needs to stop. But I wouldn't put so much on him as you would. Um, the fourth goal. I'm trying to remember the fourth goal. That, that was the, the one? two on one that became ah, yes. the goal with yeah, the one, skating. Yeah, the one that went through his legs. Raffle it was a raffle goal, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd expect him to make that save nine times out of ten. Um, the one where he got bowled over. I mean, nothing really you can do there. And then I the last goal. goaltender interference, but yeah, I think he got shoved in the, or I think one of the pens shoved uh, the guy in. But I don't know. I, I'd have to look at it again. But and then the last goal was just clearly just frustration boiling over, where he was just he was done. So um, yeah, I, I'd say he needs to be better. Um, we know he can be better. We expect him to be better, and we know that he's going to get better as time goes along. So I, I, I still have all the faith in the world in the kid. So um, but let's hope that we see him again Friday. Let's hope Sully doesn't go to Casey to Smith. Um, nothing against Casey, but I, I, I think Jars is the guy you got to ride. So let's get him in stride here. But yep, he's got to play for, consecutive games and feel like he's the number one, not like he's on thin ice every time he has a bad game. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to go with confidence, and you saw it, you know. Sully M- Murray was his guy, and he had every he gave Murray every chance he could to 
you know, get out of his funks or, you know, be consistent with his play. So hopefully, and ho- hopefully we see the same kind of treatment being towards Jerry. I know he's a little more unheralded. He's a little bit, you know, not as, he hasn't accomplished as much as Muzz has, but, you know, hopefully with him now being the, the number one guy that he just, you know, gives him the same amount of treatment. But my, my final takeaway from this game and, and, you know, kind of a negative way is we saw a lot of the same mistakes from last season. And I know it's a completely different group. Like we talked about, there's a lot of changing parts, but even behind the bench too, the new coaches, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of troubling. It's something that you hope you don't see repeated, but you know, saw a lot of the same mishaps, a lot of, you know, late period meltdowns. I mean, for, for about, let's say 58 minutes of the game, I'd say the Penguins were the better team. Yeah, I would agree. And it really just comes down to them with the last final, even final minute, you know, giving up. I think they gave up three goals within the last couple minutes tonight. They gave up two in like 25 seconds. Yeah, and and that's the stuff that we saw last year where you play great all game, but then you just have these mental lapses, and it it just costs you greatly because they're just complete meltdowns. Like, it's not like, you know, the occasional, you know, screw up and then it, maybe you give up a goal every now and then but it's like you're giving up two three goals at a time late in the periods per game like you, you and you can't you can't do that and you'd think that after a while you know they catch on they're like hey you know maybe we need to tighten up we need to do something different here so to see that trend kind of continue it's a little bit troubling for me i don't know about you but uh i'm cool. sure they'll they'll figure it out like i said different parts different team i know there's a lot of people you know a lot of guys on the team looking to prove something and i i think that They'll be they'll be hungry and they'll tighten everything up. Yeah, I would agree. And I think kind of my final point to those two goals quick. Um, I think what led into it was Sully's frustration with them the refs missing uh, too many men on the ice call after they had dinged the Penguins for it. You know, very quickly. Um, I think it was it was blatant. I mean, the sixth guy was out there for like a solid five seven seconds, which in the NHL is forever. A lot of the calls tonight were bad, both sides too. Uh, I'm I not would just agree. Saying, yeah, but like I on think, both sides. I think what led to those goals was composure, entirely composure, because as soon as Sully lost it and went irate with the refs during a, a short break before the next faceoff, mm-hmm. they gave up a goal like 45 seconds later, and then yep. they were more angry about the non-call and then the goal, which then compounded into – Nobody really cared when that faceoff happened after the fifth goal, and that's exactly why Jari was looking at a three-on-one or three-on-two, whatever it was. It was pure frustration, zero composure, and they just let it get the best of them. I think if you just keep it together, and Sully's always kind of had a hot head. He's kind of like Torts, you know, just really, really, really into it, and he's not going to let it go. Um, I think that that's something that they need to work on. They need to look at a little more, but, you know, I think that a lot of it had to do with everybody in front of Jari on that last goal just kind of not being interested anymore. Yeah, so. and I mean, you you said it. You know, Sully's been kind of known to be a hothead. You know, he gets in the referees' faces. He screams on the bench to the guys all the time. Mm-hmm. He's just, that's just who he is. He's just a fiery guy. And it's concerning for me to see it now. Like, maybe are they starting to tune him out? And I had this kind yeah. of... You know, I had this thought last season, especially in the bubble, like because when Sully first came up, and I don't know if you watched the um, the Showtime special, like Quest for the Cup or whatever, where they had everyone mic'd up and they went through the final four teams, and someone, I think it was Connor Sherry, screamed on the bench. He was like, "It's a, it's a bleep free for all out," like screaming at the ref, and Sully just barks at him instantly. Hey, shut up and play! And they shut up and played, and they won. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So, I doubt that the message isn't the same. Like I, I guarantee you he's probably barking at him still on the bench saying, you know, Hey, shut up and just play, just play. That was the motto four or five years ago. Just play. Well, and soon, now, you know, we're also partial coach killers because once they win and then they don't win, they kind of get sick of and sick and tired of it. Yeah. And you know, it kind of made me question too, with Sully's style where he's always, you know, t- he's, he's obviously tough on them. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to get tired of the same old, you know, barking up, their tree type deal, Probably. you know, just, just getting the, the tough treatment from, you know, how, how hard he is on them. But I, I think that's something to watch. And I know that Sully, it, it might not seem like he is, but he's definitely on the hot seat this season because they, he just fired, they just fired his whole staff last year. And that that's basically a, 
you know, a message to the head coach, like, Hey, figure this out or you're next. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think they might be a little bit guilty of toning him out. So I, I don't know. Hopefully I'm wrong, but we'll see. Yep. I agree. Um, well, that's, uh, that's a pretty good wrap there on the, uh, the first game of the season. Um, definitely got into a lot of stuff and we're definitely looking forward to, uh, kind of the rest of what's going to play out in the early part of this year, how, uh, how the team handles it, how the other teams are handling it. Um, we're interested to see, uh, any changes, obviously lineup changes and decisions. Um, it's definitely going to be a wild ride once Kaepernick comes back. So, um, we'll be getting back to you, uh, next week with some more Penguins updates and, um, we look forward to watching some more hockey and talking about it. Exciting time. Absolutely. All right, guys, everybody stay safe and we'll talk to you next week. All right, talk to you later, guys.